Hello, everyone. My name is Ben. And my name is Zane. And you are listening to the Carton Cast. Uh, this is the show where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. And today, for our bootlegged feature, we are reviewing a movie. Um, specifically, B movie. Not a B movie. The, the B movie. The B movie. BB Gun. I, uh, this has been foreshadowed since the episode of He Man, I believe. Yes, like one of us made a, ago. one of us made a stray comment about B movies, the the generic term, and uh, I believe that you transitioned into talking about B movie. Yes, uh, and that continued to happen pretty much every time I brought up the concept of B movies. I, I mean, like, I don't know if that was necessarily intended when they made B movie proper. Probably not, but it, it's <laughs> it's a little bit hard not to make that reference given oh, that ben, the majority it, of my humor is connecting two things that sound similar. Ben, not only did they think of it, that's the entire reason this exists. Well, it's it's certainly the en- entire reason that it is has some of, like, that I know about it a- at all. Except right. that one time I saw the tail end of it in a dentist office. Yeah, so so what was your exposure to this? Because I, I only watched it for the show. Um, I, I hadn't seen it before we brought it up. Oh, gosh. Uh, my, my exposure to this is real strange. Um... When I was living in Texas a few years back, I went to a dentist at one point, or maybe as a doctor's office. I honestly don't remember what the reason was, or the or the location. But I remember whichever I one had a, the really good drugs. I was in a waiting room, and I caught like like the middle half of B movie, and the only thing I remembered from it there oh, that's the was best a half. Bunch of, I remember the the yeah that fat end before it gets all stingy. <laughs> Before it gets stingy or wingy, that's where bees thrive. That's that's what I'm saying. Um, and I, the only scene that really stuck out of my memory was a bunch of bees led by the glorious leader Jerry Seinfeld trying to land a plane. Yeah. And I don't know if you'll agree with me. Looking back on it, that is pretty much... I mean, there's not a lot more to the movie than that. That's the. I think that's the dominant scene. That's what featured in all the promotional <laughs> materials. I wouldn't call any part of this movie dominant over any oh, other part oh, of it. How could you not? Possible exception for the three courtroom scenes. <laughs> yeah, you, you really need that third one in there in case John Goodman didn't cleanser. yell enough. Um, yeah, yeah, so... Zane, tell me about B-Movie. Okay, so the real backstory is that B-Movie is a a DreamWorks movie that came out in 2007. It was created, written in part by, starring, and pushed forward at every point by Jerry Seinfeld, of Jerry fame. Uh, Of what? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that show, Jerry. Yes. His his fake show on that show, Seinfeld. Jerry, the life and times of himself. (laughs) Uh, And he claims that the idea came from a conversation he had with uh, Steven Spielberg. Conversation is probably generous. (laughs) Where he said, possibly as a joke, hey, what if we did a movie about the life of a bee and called it Bee Movie? You know, like bee movies. So it actually, that actually was... He had no idea for the movie for beyond that. That's <laughs> no amazing. Idea. And Spielberg said, that's a great idea. You're starring in it. <laughs> um, there's no way in hell I'm directing it, but let's talk to Jeffrey Katzenberg. He'll set you up. And then this is the quote. We're creative people with lots of money. We can do whatever we want. That, that's, that almost sounds like it's a line that made it into the movie somewhere. <laughs> it really should be long. Uh, yeah, so the, the, it's a very weird movie specifically because the entire thing was, like, 
The weirdest part about B-Movie to me is that it proved to me that Jerry Seinfeld didn't just evaporate with the end of the show Seinfeld. No, this was his big resurgence. No, it is the only other thing he's ever done, as far as I can tell. (laughs) Uh, He still does quite a lot of um. stand-up. Okay, he's done stand-up. He's done, like, cameos in various TV shows. He was on some sort of uh, TV show about stand-up comedians drinking coffee or something like that. Yeah, that's right. But beyond that, I, I had never seen... It, you know, he never had any kind of... Hit it big and then fade into the ether. He's never had kind of a lot of cultural uh, exposure beyond Seinfeld and B-Movie. And that is a very... It's just a very strange spot for him to suddenly appear in. And it makes me think that he really believed in it. Oh, which he believed in this so hard. Only Appar- makes it stranger. We, we watched a little bit of the like the making of thing. And apparently, like... He was so much more involved than a creator usually is in the production aspect. Like, he would just hang out on set and, like, watch people perform their lines and, like, give feedback and, like, just and, oh, like, talk he, to the animators. he didn't know what just, he, was he was doing. He was probably. in it every step of the way. <laughs> yeah. Like, so this is, like, the weirdest... Like, uh, presumably when a director gets really experienced, they kind of have a more hands-off attitude because they, like, know that their people can kind of handle things. Sure. Uh... I get the feeling like he didn't really know what he was doing. You get that whole uh, you get that whole trope about actors. The thing they want to do most is direct. Uh, this kind of makes it feel like justified that actors don't direct. Because it, <laughs> it should it, not direct. Every every new thing that I learn about Jerry Seinfeld directing this movie feels like he didn't know what or why he was doing it. Yes, we'll we'll talk about the. Um... The ways in which this movie tries to hit the San- the Seinfeld mark and just fails, but in different directions. It, it slides off of it in a really strange way. I uh, So I watched this uh, the it's other like night with some Seinfeld, friends. It's like half Seinfeld, half Pixar. It's real bizarre. Uh, I Hold on. I, I There's a great quote. I watched this uh, the other night with some friends. Uh, let me see if I can find... Former friends, I think you mean. <laughs> they were a little upset that I <laughs> exposed them to this. I was because I had a big presentation Thursday, and I was like, "Hey guys, I feel I so much better unwind. now. Does everyone want to come over on Friday and like celebrate with watching B movies?" Oh no! So what was what was your anecdote there? Uh, oh, here we go. Um, my friend said uh, this movie leans so far into, but so fundamentally misunderstands whimsy. Yeah, it's it's really odd. Uh, the the if you go if you go look at like some criticism of it, some reviews, they really are kind of split down the middle. Like one half of them are like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's good a good cast for this role. This is like it hits kind of that Seinfeld do nothing and have a good time doing it sort of feeling. Yeah, yeah. Don't and then stop the other the half is the extremely dismissive. Right. And I like... understand both of those viewpoints and for such a kind of maybe not divisive because it didn't get enough attention to be divisive, but for something that people can either love or hate, it's so right. boring. Well, it, it wasn't like it wasn't like one of those crappy like yeah the kids will love it nobody else will deal with it kind of things. Like there is stuff here for an older audience, but it's just oh it's man, so it's so safe. It's just so weird. Um, it is weird. It's it's like a it's like a six out of ten. Like the, the platonic ideal of a six out of ten movie, <laughs> um, and it's it's it is weird because like Seinfeld the show takes place in this world that's like really weird, like just slightly off from our own, and then this one's just way too far, and so that same like 
plotting, just conversational thing doesn't quite work as well. It's uh, it, it's because you're missing me, the bigger picture. Seinfeld, like, in a strange way, reminds me kind of uh, of like Invader Zim, um, in the way ooh. that like it feels like our world, but has a weirdness filter on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like cynicism. Like somebody's been playing with the cynicism dial. It's like someone was looking at our world through a camera, but then like put a little bit of English or put a little top spin on the film. And it just kind of, it looks kind of like our world, but a little messed up. Yeah. That's how this... Seinfeld feels to me. And this is, okay. So like, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to roll any heads here. I don't want to, I don't want anyone to like freak out or anything. This is not the show Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> so, so like the thing is Jerry Seinfeld is in nothing else so when you hear him you're like oh i'm about to listen to seinfeld <laughs> and you don't and it's so so goddamn weird yeah and so like if it i was... don't know if you ever are in a moment in your life where you're expecting seinfeld that doesn't then happen oh constantly it's it's such a unique feeling what's the deal with that feeling <laughs> what's the dealing um yeah and so like anything that's just sort of halfway adjacent to reality um, this got really popular online. Um, yeah, you know, people so sort of ignored 2000- it during its own time, but then, um, in in twenty fifteen, twenty fifteen, the entire script was released, uh, was was put online, and like that script became a meme. Like people were putting it on t shirts. I, I I don't understand this. And then in twenty sixteen, a YouTube video was made, B movie. But every time they say B, <laughs> it speeds up. Yes. And that is now that is now its own meme subgenre. Like there I, are so uh, many videos now of X, but whenever X happens, this other thing happens. Do like, you think that do you think that this became a meme simply because it was like I, I was kind of trying to research into why this became a, a big meme. Uh, have you ever have you do you have any like nuggets of memedom that arose from this? You know, I've looked at like the like um, you know behind the meme or like know your meme kind of thing. I was looking at this, know your meme. I couldn't really make sense of it. This really does just seem to be like, you know, it's the kind of show that you can watch with buddies as like a drinking game or if you're high or something, and just that same type of irony works really well online. There is a uh, there is a like there's an in jokeness to it. There is a definitely an in jokeness to it. There's a uh, website. There's a blog post that uh, on Io9 that I saw. Um, which is where they, they kind of posit this game of watching B-movie, but every time someone says the word B, uh, it's like a drinking game, but the drink or like the, the activity every time someone says B gets increasingly twisted. So first time <laughs> they say B, it's like, according to all known laws of aviation, there's no way a B should be able to fly. Okay, they said B, take a shot. Second one, its wings are too small to get its fat little body off the ground. The B, of course, flies anyway. Hit the blunt. And, like, if you keep on going oh down, God. it's like, pound some Robitussin, text your craziest ex, go skydiving, watch Suicide <laughs> Squad, start a small fire, and rob a liquor store. And the, that's, like, only the first 12. The watch Suicide Squad one is interesting because there's a lot of, like, it's B-movie, but every time they say B, it's the entirety of this other movie. <laughs> like, it gets pretty absurd. Yeah, it. I don't... Man, I I I I don't understand why this is a meme. I I I was kind of like I was trying to figure it out and it seems like I am not the only one who is wondering it. Oh, it's um didn't they do uh, like a study on memes and like how things become popular and it's just sort of like 
Yeah, you get enough noise, eventually something hits above a threshold and that sort of like propagates. Yeah, it's like snowball effect. Yeah, That yeah. makes sense to me. I like to think that it was just such a weird thing to begin with. One, because it doesn't seem like it actually happened. It seems like something that someone said happened, but nobody knows where the like the myth came from. <laughs> like this could be myth busted, right? Yeah. It's like, did B-movie actually exist? Yeah. Like, like you know, conceptually, they made a Cars 3. Right, but yeah. like I defy you to like. Do you know a single person who has seen Cars Three? Yeah, like, and you know, I I think it's just it's not it's both the weird Genesis story of the film, like the the idea that it was it kind of came from somebody who I had thought disappeared off the face of the earth and then resurfaced a thousand years later from a crypt, yeah. uh, and then also the fact that the movie itself is just so. It's like Pixar family film that got off branded, but it's more. But it's like way better known than that should be. Isn't that strange? Yeah, I, it it's such a weird thing. Well, let me tell you a couple other facts that feel even weirder. Please. Um. So this movie was directed by Simon Smith, who had done some work on Ants and Shrek, uh, and Steve Hickner, who directed The Prince of Egypt. Also. Right. This movie had a budget of $150 million. Huh. And part of that is because Jerry Seinfeld invited, like, every celebrity he knows. He he basically texted... He, he like, drunk phone called people from Seinfeld to show up and have lines. From yeah. what I could tell. So, <laughs> Not um, just Seinfeld. Like, he got, like, Oprah to play a bit character. I forgot about Oprah. The... <laughs> <laughs> I know that um, Patrick Warburton, whom I was delighted to hear. Oh, fabulous. I didn't realize that he was Putty from Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. By the way, guys, we're going to talk about Seinfeld a lot today. Quite a bit. <laughs> like, we uh, talked about it a lot when we were watching that anime, uh, right. Cromarty High School, but now we're actually talking about Seinfeld, so it's going to come up. When you talk about Seinfeld, you really talk around Seinfeld. Yeah. Jerry, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and so so that was one of them. Another one, apparently Michael Richards showed up. Yeah, was this before or after the whole meltdown? I don't remember. I think uh, it was after. Let me let me look at let me look for it cuz I would like to know this. So Laugh Factory incident, it happened in 2006. So yeah. this was created 2005, so this was before, right? Well, it came out in 2007. Oh, okay, gotcha. I mean, it was a minor role he had, right? So, yeah, I don't even recognize the character. So, and Bud, so like, Bud Ditchwater. Yeah, I think he was like the the like air traffic controller at the end. Like, sure, I don't, I don't remember. Um, but yeah. yeah, like like tons of people, whom almost certainly had better things to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't realize that Michael Richard was Stanley Spadowski in UHF. Really? Yeah, I I never connected the dots. That's like the other thing he did. I know. I I for I think maybe like once I heard about the Laugh Factory incident, I I kind of papered that over in my head, and I was like, yeah, that's probably just a different guy. <laughs> Let's not muddy my childhood memories. Thank you. Um. So apparently, this idea was good enough to have come up with twice. Uh, there were claims of plagiarism when a Swedish animation team claimed they went to DreamWorks in the year two thousand and pitched their idea for a movie. Bibelon. Yeah, the, I and I I think it was like settled out of out of court or something because yeah. like you couldn't kind of prove that they were 
that that the the, the, the concept came from that. It's like yeah, like if you were going to make a, is that a really... movie about bee society, this is what it would be like. Yeah, like there's there's only so many things you can do with that. It, it's kind of like how um after uh, how um Five Goes West or America no American Tale came out the same around the same time as uh Mouse. Mm-hmm. And there was kind of like that trial there is like, well, it's not unreasonable that they would be unrelated in their conception. Like this is mice as Jewish immigrants is sort of a natural <laughs> fit, you know, the prey allegory. Um, yeah, yeah. Bees as worker drones. That's it's pretty cheap. It's pretty, pretty low hanging fruit. Pretty obvious, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I think we can sense. get into like the movie itself. Yeah. Um, sounds talk good. about like how it sort of how it sort of works, because um the way the way that it feels and the way I think Jerry Seinfeld went about it is like alternating between like this movie's a total joke and this movie is like a passion. Yeah. So it will I... flip flop between very silly, like like shoehorning in jokes even at the expense of a cohesive world and trying to make trying to sell you on the pathos of it as well. What's strange is like that I, I think that that's true and that just and I hate to keep on pulling up the Seinfeld, you know, punch card, but like that's not a thing that Seinfeld really traffics in. It doesn't traffic in schlocky jokes with meaning underneath of them. Like mm-hmm. in uh you know, you know in in a lot of modern cartoons like uh Rick and Morty or BoJack Horseman, you kind of have generally silly situations like Mr. Peanut yeah, yeah. Butter cleaning up a bunch of spaghetti from an ocean. But at the end of the day, you also kind of learn something true about the human condition and about the people that you care about. Uh-huh. Seinfeld kind of never did that. It was yeah. all taking the piss out of, you know, normal life and normal relationships and saying this is all absurd. None of it is deep. Let's just <laughs> keep on making jokes about it. Yeah. No hugging, no learning. No hugging, no learning. Um. So, so and, seeing and so, it kind of tiptoe into that, so like seeing that formula kind of get infected with this stuff is just, it doesn't problem, feel natural. The problem is, is that it, this movie also has to serve as a parody of other like animal centric children's animation. Um, so like one of the ways this comes out is the way that the characters talk. So sometimes they do talk in that Seinfeld, just very conversational, like just, you know, it sounds almost improvised. And yeah, then, it's like, oh, I couldn't eat another bite. I got to lose a couple micrograms. Yeah, yeah. And then other times, the characters are just screaming this over-the-top acting whenever possible. And there's yeah. very little in between. So, like, this movie in many ways vacillates between those two extremes. I don't know if you could do a whole movie in Seinfeld speak, though. You couldn't. So... But that's not the remedy. <laughs> that's not... Yeah, yeah. Maybe there was just no good way out of that. Like, you knew what you were walking into. but And at the same time, I don't think that you can go entirely away from the Seinfeld formula because they're kind of banking on a lot of that humor mm-hmm. to drive it. And so, so what you get is this mess. This, this, this chimera, this Frankenstein of Seinfeld and no, we're not Seinfeld. Yeah, and this, like, here's, here's one way that the Seinfeld creeps in in a way that does not work in an animated movie. Like specifically, like a plot-centered movie where scenes will start with just like an establishing joke that doesn't relate to the rest of the scene, and like, fine, that's great, that's classic Seinfeld, and then the scene will end suddenly, like on a punchline, without like resolving how these characters are interacting. It's like, fine, that works for Seinfeld. 
Here, yeah, like, like did, repeated did interactions. Hear, did you hear that Renee Zellweger opened up her own floor shop? Oh, it looks like everything's coming up roses for her. You know, like, yeah, and that's the scene. end of the scene. <laughs> but you here they have another 60 minutes. You can't really do that here because Jerry Seinfeld's in every scene. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, he can't just be in the next scene and be like, hey, did you hear that great zinger I just did? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. Although um, I do think that he should have said that at one point. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would have been real. That's easy. Mm, deluxe mm. pun. Yes. <laughs> it, but it worked shelf. in Seinfeld because there were different characters. They had different intersecting plots. Here, it's a straight shot, and it, it just doesn't work the same way. Yeah, so like I think that we're going to keep on referencing kind of the ways in which it's Seinfeldian. Which, by the way, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the YouTube video where uh, the podcast, the Carton cast, reviews B-Movie, and they say Seinfeld 187 times, and every time it speeds up. Uh, go check that out. Um, yeah, I, I think we're going to continually like reference this as we go through the movie. Um, yeah. But just remember that we're kind of viewing it as you, you can't entirely divorce yourself from your prior like knowledge of what Jerry Seinfeld has done. Mm-hmm. Which, um, which sounded a lot more like scathing well, than I intended. You can't it. forget what he's done. <laughs> yeah, I didn't intend to make it sound quite so menacing. No, it fits. He and, knows what he and did. Just, and just to be like clear, I actually love Seinfeld. Uh, not the person, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld. I think he's fine. I don't know him personally. <laughs> but I like the. I love the show. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, so just just to get that out of the way, I'm not like knocking everything he's done. This is I just how, a bizarre you need to thing. caveat I love Seinfeld by saying, not the person, not the bee, not the brand, the <laughs> yeah. show. Not Specifically the seasons two through six. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Yeah, what else should we cover before we get into the plot of it? I guess just let's talk about the main characters. Yeah. So, guys, Jerry Seinfeld plays a character in this, and it is the main character. Surprise. Barry B. Benson. Yeah. Uh, I assume that they named him Barry because it rhymes with Jerry. Can we get a fact check on that? Uh, so, apparently, it was a shout-out to his first acting role as uh, Barry Benson, in right? the show Benson. Yeah, that's right. That makes sense to me. Also, it it also sound, kind of sounds like a Seinfeld joke, like Barry B. Benson. Yeah, it's also alliterative in the manner mm-hmm. of a Seinfeld joke. So, like, it's or in a cartoon, or in a cartoon. Yeah, like the, the I, if we wanted to put ourselves in the unenviable position of criticizing people's names in cartoons, then this is a good one. <laughs> like, no yeah. problem so far. B movie. Uh, he's. Um. So he's this kind of worker bee who he's kind of figure on his place in the world. He just graduated. He's entering bee society and he finds that it's too restrictive, you know, very much. He's trying to find himself in the year between college and a job. And so, yeah, he's, this is this is what you always see in like um, like insect movies. So in ants, you know, the one guy who doesn't want to fall in line. Mm-hmm. Bugs Life, the one guy who doesn't want to fall in line. Even um, Starship, it's, it's the musical. It's very familiar. Not even just insect movies. This also happens in things like Moana. Have Have you seen uh, Starship, the the musical that Almost, Starkid does? No, you've mentioned Starkid before. Yeah, they did a, a, a musical called Starship, which is basically a mixture of The Little Mermaid and Aliens. <laughs> that sounds cool. Where a bug wants to be a, a space ranger, and so he makes like a deal with the devil to get a human body. Huh. I don't it's remember that happening in Little Mermaid. I assume it happened in the other thing you mentioned. That's exactly what Little Mermaid was about. Really? Yeah. Do I do I just not know what Little Mermaid is? Uh, the red one. 
Oh yeah. The other one without the bow. Um. Yeah. So he he's like he's questioning the society in the way that Seinfeld questioned his own. Yeah, and not in a very like incisive way. More in like a petulant, like I don't want to be told what to do sort of way. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. Like that's the only problem I have with it is that he sounds like an adult man because he's played by an adult man. And I kind of wished he sounded more like a unsure teen. It, it's just, this is such a recognizable voice. There's mm-hmm. no escaping it. Right. I, I mean, and that was that's kind of my only ding there. Um, and aside from him and Patrick Warburton, I didn't really recognize any other voices. And I think those worked a bit better. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the main female lead is uh, Renee Zellweger. Yeah. So, okay. I actually, her performance actually also did not work that well for me um no i i didn't like her character i will say that her voice was very odd so the 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 other main character in this is the human that uh jerry seinfeld has one of his one of our patented carton cast interspecies romances with and uh (laughs) she is a florist who takes a shine to barry once she learns that he can talk by breaking b law don't worry i'll get back into b law uh I don't like her much because she strikes me very much as an in, like if you didn't have B in the movie, she'd be just an insane like woman who's <laughs> off her meds. I I don't mind her character. Her performance is such that it sounds like she's like not only overacting, which she's half the characters in this surprised. show, she sounds drunk in all of these scenes. I'm talking to me. Yeah talking to a bee anyway and the bee is talking to me um i just want you to know that i'm grateful and i'm, I'm gonna leave now oh wait 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 how did you learn to do that what that's that, that the talking thing oh same way you did i guess mama dada honey you pick it up <laughs> that's very funny yeah can i uh get you something like what i don't know i mean i don't know coffee well, uh, I don't want to put you out oh, unless you're no making anyway. Oh, it takes two minutes. Really? It's just coffee. I hate to impose. Don't be ridiculous. Actually, I would love a cup. Hey, you want a little rum cake? I really should. Have a little rum no, cake. No, no, no. I can't. Oh, come on. And, you know, I'm trying to lose a couple micrograms here. Where? And, well, these stripes don't help. You look great. I don't know if you know anything about fashion. <laughs> So I briefly entertained a plot wherein the movie was actually about Vanessa's wild, like vivid fantasy about being important in a male-dominated world, but mm-hmm. by by making bees sentient and elevating her position as a florist. Um, but in in actuality, I think she might she may be overacting a little bit. I also think that this character is not that good. Uh, perhaps I think we should like cut in like a, a scene of her speaking because like for me i couldn't get away from it it was just constantly like what do you mean being yeah, bees? It's, it's, it's very in your face yeah which may be like a good subtle kind of humans are the top dogs here so the bees get overshadowed by the women or the by the humans constantly screaming oh they're definitely constantly screaming i hope i hope i remember to edit out uh <laughs> me saying women are constantly screaming into the correct <laughs> form of that I, I think that was taken out of context. <laughs> Let's get that out of. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, are there any other characters? Do you remember? Uh, he's got his friend Adam, who's Ferris Bueller. Yeah, it's just Matthew Broderick showing up. Um, he's like the straight-laced foil. Bizarrely, um, I really liked him. Yeah, he kind of fit. 
Yeah. Like he gave us this believable like view into how every other bee thinks and how why they're okay with their society. He's de- he's definitely a necessary foil and I think he works well. Um there's, he, there's... <laughs> however, there is kind of a notion that he only accepts the life that he's given because he doesn't know anything else. There's one point in the movie where he like gets a taste of human society and like is bowled over. Oh, he he has no ambitions. Um He's just, you know, also very weak-willed. And so when, you know, Seinfeld throws some delicious cake at him, he's like, well, let's consider both sides. <laughs> yeah, many sides, guys. Uh, um, yeah. And Is then there's there... also Ken, uh, Vanessa's boyfriend, um, played by Patrick Warburton, who's just like... Who gets treated so badly in the movie. <laughs> like, by, he's so by fed by up girlfriend. with this. He's looking at the movie the way we look at the movie, which is just like, this doesn't make any sense. Why is this happening? <laughs> he <just> keeps, <laughs> like, he just keeps screaming. <laughs> which is, which is the, like, one of his best settings. <laughs> like, him confused. Every time I see Patrick Warburton in anything, I'm like, this role is perfect for him. Because he's just such a good actor. Do you prefer him confused or him confusing? Uh... I don't know if confused They're is both the right way to put it. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know if confused is the right way to put it. It's more like outraged. Yeah, here he is definitely just. It's like he can, he's he's outraged because of his confusion. <laughs> I believe his final line in the movie is, "Why is that bee living my life? <laughs> <laughs> when will this nightmare end?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you could very easily turn this into like a wicked esque inversion of B movie and just focus on him and his like tragic pathos filled but like be- Hamlet before, sort of like, apotheosis. Before his downfall, he like is also a bit of an asshole. Like again, he's constantly yelling at his girlfriend. So mildly an asshole, though. Honestly, <laughs> she treats him way worse. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. But uh, we'll get into it. Um, uh, I think we should start. Uh, a couple other things. Sure. Um, so because a lot of the movie takes place from B perspective, you will get some huge close-ups on human faces. Yeah, which is interesting. Just occupying all of the screen. I'm okay with that. Like, I think that's a good, like, directing decision. Mm-hmm. If we are from the point of view of a B, then I want that to be consistent through the entire movie which it isn't like there's some inversion moments when they go to court all the bees are like taking up the stands for the left half and you can barely see them Mm -hmm. in this kind of like in this really good like dehumanizing kind of shot um obviously dehumanizing what with them not being humans what with them being bees thanks ben you're welcome but Uh, like i think that's a really cool and good decision mm mm-hmm also good was um, the music, I think, worked very well. Um, this music was done by Rupert Gregson Williams, who is part of Hans Zimmer's team. Uh, he, he's worked on such diverse films as Wonder Woman, Hotel Rwanda, and Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. <laughs> not the first one? <laughs> no, not no, even was too, the first That one. was a little too high profile for Hans Zimmer. So, like, what variety here? Like, the mu- the soundtrack, like, I, I think it helps carry the the momentum of things, I, right? You I have honestly, that classic like bug takes in the bigger world. Like we all know what that sounds like. Yeah, I honestly don't even remember the music from this. It just it it rolled so it was so not. Well, let's hear a track right now as we go into the plot. Hey, <laughs> like everything else about the movie just kind of screamed louder at me. Um, 
I was like trying to figure out too much, so I didn't really pay attention to the music, which is something that always happens and is maybe something I should focus on in the future. But, you know, there was just so much else that I was trying to unpack about what I was looking at that mm-hmm. I, that, uh, that it didn't make much of a much of a dig to me. But, it, you know, I, it was perfectly pleasant. Yeah, Fine I, I think I'm a little bit stuff. better at just sitting back and accepting the premise. And I was I was all like, what does it all mean? <laughs> Where's the deeper meaning here? Yeah, I, w- I was trying to Da Vinci code that shit. <laughs> the code is Jerry Seinfeld, like <laughs> it's just a bunch of Z's. <laughs> someone, someone buzzing her. Am I trying to sleep? <laughs> the so uh, I guess let's get started. Yeah. something i noticed uh, i never noticed it before that before the movie even starts uh there's that dreamworks pinup you know the kid on the yeah moon the, the, fishing. the guy um fishing on the moon yeah i never noticed that they started like playing with this formula where uh whoever is the main person in that movie is gonna kind of mess with them a little bit so jerry the b seinfeld comes in and kicks his ass right off that moon and laughs yep kicks him in the nuts <laughs> steals his spot <laughs> And then launches into a tirade about how a bee shouldn't be able to fly, but does anyway. Yeah, this is a narration by Jim Cummings. What is the purpose of this? It's weird, because it's a plot detail that is brought up exactly once at the end, and only to, like, refute it. Yeah, well, what what it kind of says to me is that, one, we get the bizarre detail that only humans and bees have agency, and two, that bees... Like that, like it's basically telling you that like bees don't do what they're told. By yeah, that's that's physics. the setup. That's the specifically setup. this one, right? But like then it is contrasted with the scene that is immediately following, which is like the beginning of Barry's very very structured environment. Yeah, so Jerry B goes through the weirdest, like hitting you over the top with the premise intro, uh, where everything that can be a bee pun is made into a bee pun. Yeah, and um, and all the while being carried by kind of Seinfeld's brand of humor, which really works for me, actually. Like, this is a good fit for it. Oh, yeah? What what specifically? Like, the first couple of jokes in the movie where he's, like, going through his uh, various uh, outfits and it's all just, like, bee sweaters. Um, <laughs> he's like, yellow and black, yellow and black, yellow and black. Ah, black and yellow. Yeah, let's shake things up. Like, you know, like... <laughs> That that came right out of uh, that came right out of Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, like that um, kind of like mundane, silly humor with a with a with a kind of ironic edge to it. Yeah, some of the wordplay works pretty well, like the dialogue. Um, a lot of it works. Some of it's just corny. It's Seinfeld saying it like this is a thing that he knows how to do. Well, some of some of it does get a little corny. Like clearly, it's stuff he thought was funny but wasn't. Um, mm, yeah, like the where it's like. Hey, it's uh, you got a perfect report card, all bees. <laughs> God damn it! The, like the yeah, second it, that that happened, I was like, "Oh, the joke is that hey, a bee is a person, and it's not quite right." And that's <laughs> hey, the joke. <laughs> hey, honey, your report card, all humans, only a few mu- mutants. 
Yeah, so and nothing... the mutants you did have probably had magnetism powers. Nothing about this bee society makes sense. No, it's it's all like you. It's all for the joke. It's all for the joke, and it makes you accept that so implicitly. Which, like it doesn't quite work as a framing like setup. <laughs> no, it like it's not supposed to make have an internal logic to it. It's all for a just a gag. It's so far in one direction. You could like say that it's a, a criticism of corporate culture because like bees have sharp stingers but he needs to use a pencil sharpener to make his pointier or yeah, like like what they is have that cars. pencil sharpener do? what does that mean <laughs> i think i think he i think that's how he masturbates i think that's how he <laughs> <laughs> gets off in the morning <laughs> yeah so they uh, have stairs they have cars they have an amusement park like you you are going far too fast <laughs> <laughs> no I, I i really think i'm going too slow <laughs> The, so the idea that it has an amusement park in it is actually kind of neat. Um, and there's a couple ways you can take it. It's like, the idea is, it's like so it's obviously there so that it gives us something interesting to look at. But then they comment on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, isn't this weird? And it's like, you <laughs> built this movie. You decided that. You don't get to make fun of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, you could take this in a few ways. One is just Jerry Seinfeld's like, put a thing in there, and then we'll talk about it, because that's how I make jokes. But like, then there's like another... Jerry Seinfeld, like, Seinfeld is God, and he's like, what's the deal with these humans I made? <laughs> but the, okay, so there's a couple other ways you can take this, and I wanted to sit, sit on it for a second. Please there's, sit on it. So there, the antithesis of the busy bee being an amusement park is kind of neat as, like, a... Um, you know how in Office Play Society, they make the efforts to make it kind of sound fun at times? Like, no, we care about you, and that's why we have Silly Tie Thursday or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like a <laughs> gladiatorial like... arena, like give them people entertainment so they don't rebel. <laughs> oh, at your, at, your, at your office, you have gladiatorial arena? <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, Wacky Tie Thursday, and it's Combat Friday. Dennis fights Chauncey. <laughs> I don't know why John's... I don't know what his job is. <laughs> to see who we blame the jammed copier on. Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, it, you know, it, like, it could be... There's kind of, like, this air of, like, a, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down to it, which, like, I'm, I'm looking too far into it, obviously, but there is something to it, like, the idea that they have to work their entire lives at this thing, so they're being... They're they're being uh, brainwashed into enjoying what they do. Oh, see, I thought it was a critique of, um, you know, the social working man everyday structure. <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> so Barry and his friend Adam are off to their college graduation. There's a good uh, background gag here. Uh, a guy reading a newspaper, and it says frisbee hits hive, internet down. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's pretty good. They they have they have fun background gags every once in a while. Um and they go off to Honex Industries where did, they will pick their jobs. Did you notice that they like talk about their lifetime expectancy? Yeah, yeah. Like that is terrifying to me. He's like, "Yeah, 3 days of grade school, 3 days of high school, then college." So they I'm actually, glad I took a day off to like find myself to, to hitchhike around the hive, which actually like foreshadows kind of his rebellious nature in the fact that he thinks differently. Yeah, it, it's it's like too much character development for this movie, but it's like <laughs> it's like neat that they did it. Like that was the only subtle line in this movie is like, yeah, you did come back different. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> You're right. Everything else is so obvious. <laughs> uh, I, I like how Barry and his friend are just kind of slightly being goofballs through the ceremony. Yeah, like, you know, they're they're relatable. They're, well, it's personalizing. You know, the rest of them are drones, and these guys at least have a little bit of fabric to them. Uh, oh, I like that. <laughs> Good they're, puns. Yeah. Speaking of fabric, did you notice that everybody at the ceremony is wearing other, like, vestments that are B-colored? Like, it's all black and yellow stuff, but they're all, like, like this guy has a suit that's black and yellow, this guy has a yeah, sweater. Yeah, like sweaters. <laughs> like, it's all the same colors, but it's different garments. <laughs> Again, they're putting on airs. This is, you know, classic, uh, you know, consumerist culture. Um, <laughs> and as they go through orientation, Barry, as we said, is the only one who has a problem with, like, what if I don't want to do one job the rest of my life? Like, What's the deal with the 99%? Um, and then they like show us some weird B jobs, like testing, getting hit. The Krellman. And the Krellman. Which, the Krell- the Krellman that? sounds like a torture device to me. <laughs> what does that word mean? I don't know. <laughs> the Krellman. So like, it's a job where like there's a little strand of honey at the end of the cup as they like bring it through this absurd Epcot-esque like, presentation. And, like, get the last drop of honey. And the, the bees, like, wear this finger hat as though they got sold it sold it to them at, like, a football game. And this doesn't need to be a job. <laughs> it's so silly. <laughs> they are so easily replaced by machines. But I like that even even with, like, the ridiculousness of it. Like, it's ridiculous, but it also sells this need for efficiency, you know? Yeah, this, this bee need to contribute to the hive. Right, and and that's the other theme they're working with is that like even as an individual, you can find satisfaction in your lowly position because uh, the society adds up to the great greater than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. Like that with the dual theme of every single person might have a job that is not obvious is is kind of what kind of makes up the two halves of this movie until they abandon it at the end. <laughs> um. Yeah, so the job Barry wants is to be a pollen jock. That I they... lo- what? <laughs> <laughs> where they go get uh, pollen and nectar from outside the hive and, you know, uh, disseminate it to different uh, uh, flowers in order to, to help them bloom. And then also to bring the nectar back to the hive to be processed. Yeah, and like so, and, and Barry is taken out as like on a tour of pollen jock duty presumably for as a form of hazing well yeah so like it's a risky job but he really wants to see outside the hive and you have to normally be bred to be this pollen jock and and so when he yeah these these mammoth bees when they see when when the big bees uh see barry like you know grabs some pollen as a status symbol like to to impress some girls they're like oh look at this hive harry over here gotta gotta taunt him gotta do some bullying yeah, it's it sort of, I mean, like, it's kind of weird. That aspect of it is so high school. Like, the, yeah, right? like, the, like the nature, like the jockish, you know, status symbol kind of nature to it. But they just graduated high school. Like, it just does, none of it makes they any sense. I don't know yeah, what the pollen like, is supposed like, to symbolize. And, like, why are they, why are they mad at him? Like, he's just trying to impress some fly honeys. Pretty good. Um, not not and, too and bad. Ask, not too bad, Zane. <laughs> they ask him, um, you know, do you think you could handle a mission? Because normally you have to be bred for this sort of thing. And he's like, yeah, no, I, I can do it. And they're like, all right, be there tomorrow. Be. 
speed. <laughs> and he, but here's the thing: it does seem like hazing, except they're really friendly and supportive of him. <laughs> I know it's like they thought about it overnight and were like, "Should go easy on the new guy." <laughs> Like, yeah, like, so a, what do you think? like a really overwhelming, like passionate speech by one of the guys who remembers what it's like to be little. Like it happens off screen. <laughs> they're, no, they're just like really accepting bunks, to him like, when he shows up again. They're chatting in their bunks like, you think we were hard on the guy? Who? <laughs> that Hive Harry. Oh, yeah, maybe. We've all been there. I mean, you know. Remember your first day? <laughs> oh, dude, I almost... Like I didn't know what was, I didn't know how hard it would be. Uh, yeah. Of course, of course, they phrase it like that uh, naturally. Yeah, I, it, it sort of felt like Full Metal Jacket a little bit, but uh, <laughs> did it? Did it? Ben? I mean, just just in that it was like a military setting with hazing, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I was really hoping for like a Roger Lee Army kind of kind of drill instructor. I don't know. We who did that, get a general. We did get a general, but he's he's more the like. You know, make Uncle Sam proud kind of general than like the you bunch of maggots general. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thanks for distinguishing the two types of general. <laughs> That's all there is. <laughs> yeah. Um, A anyway, let's get out of the hive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he uh, Barry lines up with uh, with the others, and the general tells them about a rain advisory, and foreshadows pretty obviously that bees can't fly in rain. Yeah. And then he also reminds them of bee law number one: no talking to humans. Uh, d does the, does bee law come up now? Uh, <laughs> I think that's the only rule that's explicitly stated at is this, this point. The, is this the first part of it? Ben, you don't just you know start off a movie with the ten tenets of bee law. One don't talk to humans two the needs of the many bees outweigh the needs of the few three obey the krellman <laughs> oh baby that krellman um i i i'm just Poor i'm like it's hard to, it's hard just hard to stay focused in this movie so i was really <laughs> trying to latch on to bee law but it, it doesn't come up much <laughs> um, i did want to see a bee lawyer at some point and it sort of happens because that's what barry turns into yeah, kind yeah. of out of nowhere. Well, first he has to become a, a pro athlete because he actually like <laughs> keeps up with the jocks really well. Yeah, the, uh, like one of them hands him a pollen up. gun, which is really cool looking, bizarrely. It's yeah, like, so rather than like... Better watch out, this thing can really kick! <laughs> yeah, they use pollen guns to get the nectar and pollen out of the flowers, like... Uh, I, I uh, My friend who was watching said... Um, it's like they did a bunch of research for this and then threw it all out the window. Like the research was only for more puns. I mean, like I, I, I would, I, I would have assumed that if if I hadn't ever seen the movie, I would have assumed that that was the role that research played. <laughs> and like, you know, it it's it's all about they're already kind of in this like pseudo militaristic faction kind of ongoing joke here with the pollen jocks. So you gotta you gotta kick it up to eleven. Yeah, yeah. I re actually really did dig the pollen guns. <laughs> and they look real cool. Uh, yeah. And of course, real life does not work that way. No, whatever. It's all good, um, though. And they see a moving flower, and they go to <laughs> investigate what is actually a tennis ball. Yeah, and Barry gets stuck to it, and we're delighted to see Patrick Warburton. We hear him in the background first. <laughs> hey, hey, give me that tennis ball. 
30 love. Like, just... <laughs> I was so happy to hear him. Just stomping through every line. Yep. Um, and, yeah, so Kronk serves him up, and just he, he bounces off some cars and gets sucked into the engine of one of the cars. So uh, I kind of like this scene where he's, like, moving around. Like it, it's, it's kind of this whole extended outside-the-hive scene. You know, he's yeah. seeing it for the first time. Everything is big and beautiful and bright. He's going through some This kites. is one of the highlights of the animation. It, this is really good. It, it's normally much more a, you know, sitting and talking kind of movie. Mm-hmm. But this is the part where you were saying, like, from the bee's point of view, things look different, and that's kind of neat. Uh, mm-hmm. It reminded me of, I think I talked to you about at one time, the movie Maki, which Maybe? is which is, a, which is a Bollywood movie wherein the protagonist dies 20 minutes in and is reincarnated as a fly sworn on getting revenge to his murderer. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and he has a whole extended scene where he's like trying to navigate from as the size of a fly through human society. And it looks amazing. That does sound good. And it's actually reminded me very strongly of it yeah it's 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 neat to see the world like and see a tennis ball from the someone who's never seen one like oh these things these flowers are like really really soft and fuzzy well and there's like kind of an aspect of liberation to it there's a there's a few um, oh he loves it there's a, a few series that I've, I've seen before um there's old boy where he's trapped in the same door like the same room for 10 years before he's let out there's um i started watching this one anime called kaiji ultimate survivor and Mm -hmm. in some point of that he's like in an underground like slave labor camp to pay off his debts and he finally makes it outside and it's like the sun is incredibly bright and it takes a point of like breathing in the fresh air and kind of commenting about how much he missed it and seeing every seeing the world from a beast perspective is like pretty glorious until it's very terrifying because when he does get sucked into that car like first the engine like explodes and it's fire and then the air conditioner is like of this frozen realm and then he just gets launched into the inside of the car yeah it's like he's in a lupon movie and it's like outrunning amazing tracks. how ridiculously the family freaks out that there's a bee in the car yep yep just that they can't handle it like who responds this poorly to bees yeah. The, Everyone in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's, that's all on purpose, actually. It's absurd, but it is on purpose because it wants to set up this sort of racial divide between humans and bees. Okay. I, I've never <laughs> I've never been this tired about talking a movie, about a movie. Like, even Flintstones versus the Jetsons, I was pretty... I'm so, I'm so sick of this movie. <laughs> that's all right. Let's keep it moving on. Uh, he... After causing like some car crashes, he does manage to get out. Good man. Have they? Uh, yeah, they just have never seen bees before. Like no one can handle it. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's it's absolutely stupid. Uh, and I'm trying um, to I'm trying to make this more cerebral than. And then Jerry Seinfeld as a bee does some wacky shit. But yeah, there's that's a lot of happening. And, there's a lot of and then to this movie. Yeah, there really is. Um, it starts raining. And uh, uh, Barry, you know, starts getting hit. He's like, I-, I can't fly in the rain. There's some good sound design where it's like the, like the cannonball kind of stuff when it like hits <laughs> yeah. his wing and he's like, oh, I'm going down Mayday. You know, that kind much of better, thing. Much, much better than the fart noises that are accompanying every honey movement. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. One of the other reasons that uh, that uh, this movie was compared, fa- was, was uh, spoken about favorably was because Shrek the Third had just come out. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, comparison. And like, I don't know. I don't want to be on either side of that scale. But if you're going to balance them, this one definitely comes out on top. <laughs> um, and he actually like, like he falls and gets trapped inside the apartment of the same tennis players. Yeah. So he, he takes shelter in Patrick Warburton's house, which I hope happens to me someday. <laughs> um, yeah, just, oh, it's raining. I need to seek shelter. And then oof, there he is. Yeah, and so, like, Patrick Warburton is, like, talking about this resume that he made as a brochure. It doesn't It doesn't matter. No, it does. Brochure. It super does, because his girlfriend rips it up in front of him. To, oh, yeah, To, yeah. like, try to set Barry, because, like, Barry gets trapped in under, like, a glass, and so she's, like, slides half the resume in to be able to let him outside, you know, like, if you're carrying a bug out. Why does she rip up his resume? He worked really hard on that. Because he's an idiot. He was so proud um, of it. it. It is neat, the whole, you know, again, seeing things from the B perspective, like, he can't handle a window. He Are, thinks it's some sort of force field. He thinks the lamp is the sun. And then when he finally falls into the guac, like, Kronk's going to smash him. <laughs> Kronk smash. Are you, but <laughs> before, say, are you telling me that you wouldn't be impressed by someone who printed out their resume as a brochure? I. <laughs> Give me a break, Zane like visit fabulous ken <laughs> yeah on the, like the back cover of a book or something ken lives in this fabulous house without a job please hire him i don't think eating spicy foods counts as a talent <laughs> <laughs> no if somebody put that's like a that, that's like the last sentence under like special skills you know <laughs> yeah. like where you're just kind of kind of joking to the boss yeah you know oh like someone, hey we... i'm a team player i have a sense of humor come on could resumes please have a section for jokes or like just, you know, for humor. I, I think that's more about who you put the re- give the resume to than the resume itself. Mm. I'm just saying. I'm just you give saying. it to the office clown. He is not given a fair shake here. No, especially when Vanessa says, "Well, why does his life have any less value than yours?" <laughs> I'm a fucking human, and also maybe your boyfriend. <laughs> and allergic to bees. Yeah, it's not a question of value. I, and I love that he's saying what we're all thinking, which is, is that your argument? <laughs> yeah, why? Why Vanessa, Vanessa sounds so insane if you like, yeah, aren't already. looking at her from Barry's perspective. Yeah, she wasn't like corrupted by Jerry Seinfeld. Like She was waiting for the opportunity <laughs> to just like divorce reality. She, she was like, raised, she was, like uh, raised by the hippiest, most granola eating of all the liberal pinkos. <laughs> like... Come on, bees life have equal value to humans? Yeah. Give me a break. <laughs> Is that your question? <laughs> they don't even have any balls. Um, How much could they make? <laughs> uh, Barry wants to thank her for, for saving his life. Right. But, but that would require breaking bee law. <laughs> again, like it never gets brought up again. It's like reading <laughs> Penthouse for the articles. Why aren't they telling me more about bee law? Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Is that what you think is in the articles? Yes. No, what I'm saying, like, you're missing the point of the interaction. Like, don't just bring up B-Law as a joke and then drop it. Bring up B-Law and then make the show about (laughs) B-Law. Dun, dun. B-Law and (laughs) (laughs) B-Order. But yeah, he says hi, and uh, she is confused. Yes. And then stabs herself to see if she's dreaming like we all would. So this is the point in the movie where Vanessa's overexcited overacting makes lots of sense 
It makes sense. It still sounds drunk. It's fine. Like this is this is a moment where it makes sense, and I kind of like how the how she freaks out when Jerry Seinfeld's talking to her because because Jerry Seinfeld Jerry like Barry is like talking very calmly, mm-hmm. and so that yeah, that's conversation. Yeah, he was very being very conversational, which is how Sein, it's how Seinfeld works. So this, yeah, this you're all never feels yelling. great. Um, um, but there's no resolution to this scene. Um, <laughs> no, they just like, go get a cup of coffee. Yeah, there's just small talk and then next scene. <laughs> yeah, which is a lot. How a lot of the scenes end? Yeah, th- this is uh, Charlie who was watching with me as well. Pointed out like, is there ever a resolution to a single scene? Not, no. not really. And there's no startup either. No, like if um, if they really if they really wanted to start up the scene, they would start it with like. The bee accused stands before the court. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't. Court. We don't get that. We get no bee. We get no it's, more bee law. It's like, hey, uh, we're waiting. We're waiting for the bee to show up so we can start this scene. <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah, so they do small talk. They talk about like, oh, there you live over in that forest. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she's a florist. Um, she looks crazy. She is crazy. She's she's insane. And and that's kind of it. Like this just awkward scene. It, it is extremely awkward and like it establishes what we need to know about Barry, but I don't really care for the scene itself. What I like is the next scene wherein Barry goes back to the hive and talks to his best bud, Adam, about the friend he met. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what kind of friend? Like a spider lady? Very you know, sexy. you know, your parents are going to freak out if you tell them you're dating a wasp, which is <laughs> that's pretty good. That's a good joke. <laughs> yeah. And then they talk about like maybe dating a spider and like. You know how this, how it's kind of hot to have eight legs. You know, like this, like the specificity in this made-up culture that never gets elaborated on. All those jokes work for me. <laughs> I love the um, arbitrary rules for furrydom in bee culture. <laughs> but but never yeah, like, human. He says no. I actually saw a human, and he passes out. Yeah, yeah. This a is what? too taboo. Not my um, son. <laughs> Uh, and and Adam and everyone else in the hive starts telling him like you gotta think B. Uh, yeah, is that like a slogan? I it becomes one. I don't know what it's like. What does that mean? It feels like a corporate slogan, which I kind of dig. Yeah, think B. Like give up your individuality. I, I would have liked hive. to see some posters all over the hive with that they, on they it. They didn't. They didn't lead. They didn't lean in hard enough on the corporate thing. That, no, like that. That's that's the part of the movie that I would be able to intellectually relate to and when i couldn't i was left to let's wait for another good bee pun by seinfeld humor you wanted this overreach of this utopian bee culture and then using bee law to subvert it (laughs) i I would accept any injection of bee law (laughs) um and like he doesn't want to listen to any of them and so we get a daydream sequence uh, before that, we have a small moment. I, I talked about it before, how Adam tries to get Barry to come to his senses, and Barry gives him a crumb from the rum cake that he took home from, uh, from oh, Vanessa's yeah, yeah, place. Yeah. And Barry immediately renounces his entire belief system because there is a viable alternative. He's like, oh, you're super right. Let's go outside. Oh, Adam does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's kind of cool. Like, if you wanted to go back into the intellectual... Related to corporate lifestyle, like so many people think they're trapped because they don't see another like, way out, even though there's nothing actually, they're the only ones keeping themselves there. It's like, I don't want to go into Narnia. It's dangerous there. I got a good job. And it's like, would you like some nectar of the gods? 
<laughs> and it's like, would you like some nectar of the gods? <laughs> of the bees. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, you, you said there's a... This daydream sequence is real special. So dumb. <laughs> this is like the highlight. <laughs> you, you like it? I love this. Tell, tell me about it. It made no sense. So it's him having a picnic with Vanessa, and she is wearing this black and yellow dress. Um, yep. You know, it's very, you know, very flirtatious with each other. And, like, she hits an insect, like, absentmindedly, and they're both looking at each other like, oh, my God, you just killed somebody. Because <laughs> these are sentient creatures, apparently. But then they just no, 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 laugh Zane. it off. No, Zane. <laughs> they are not. It is only humans and bees at this point. <laughs> right. We don't know. We don't know. Although, any- no, no, no. Because Adam said, "Like, oh, did you did you make it with a spider?" Other insects are already established. Yes, but later on, cognizant. but uh, later on, Barry says that bears are mindless killing machines. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, but cows are fine. Yeah, it's it's. I love uh, again. I love how arbitrary it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's so just just for the jokes. It's just it's um, all for jokes. And then they go flying. So she's in a biplane and he's just, you know, flying along and she just crashes into a mountain. Like this is his happy daydream, like sex dream. And she just crashes into a mountain and it's like, ah, humanity. Yeah, and he his subconscious has really given him a beating. Amazing. I would have liked for the fantasy to go on a little bit longer where he's like, he's like at her funeral. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just drag run that with bit it. out. If you're, al- <laughs> if you're already going this far and being this silly about it, just run with like, it. The next hour should be this daydream, and then he wakes up drowning in honey, and he's like, oh, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> Certainly not. Eternal sunshine of a spotless mind. That's right. Uh, um, and his parents are still arguing about his direction in life, which, like... I don't mind that. This is a very Jewish couple. It's like, like yeah, but, like, I mean, it, it does fit for his place in... Again, they're just not leaning far enough into, like, a listless teenager trying to find his place in the in in a corporate lifestyle mm, yeah but uh thus, um, cut to thus, them in, yeah so what happens in now? the supermarket they they go for a walk into the supermarket where the um second act begins yeah this is very second act uh he <laughs> what what exactly, classic rising he, action so, so they're in the supermarket and he's like there's honey in bears this is uh this is this is a blasphemy yeah he he freaks out this movie is a series of freakouts. I, I love the propaganda that bees have about bears <laughs> like is that a thing that bears do is like knock over hives to eat honey or is, was don't. that like a i feel like that is actually not true that's just winnie the pooh i think I, that's what i thought i'm I who they later tranquilize yeah i have to look this up do bears eat honey Bears do love honey and are attracted to beehives, but unlike Winnie the Pooh, the bears eat more than just honey. They'll also consume the bees. All right, so this actually works. <laughs> did you um? Did you see that article a, a few years ago where um? There are just like these uh, uh canisters that fell off of like trucks in Russia filled with um, like natural gas and other like petroleum products, and bees have been huffing them and getting high. No, that uh, no, sound... uh, not bees. Uh, bears. Bears have been huffing them. That doesn't sound true. They get these drunk bears in Russia, and then they go through withdrawal. It's is, terrible. Is that just? Is that just a? But also comical. That sounds like a. Like, that sounds like a real bizarre way to make a really stereotypical joke about Russians being a bunch of drunk bears. 
<laughs> I guess that is propaganda. Yeah, it, does, it seems a little bit like it. I like that bees have proper like have proper propagation. Uh, propaganda against uh, against bears, though, considering my uh, new bear knowledge. Well, he's also pretty incensed by the fact that there's Ray Liotta brand honey. <laughs> we should probably discuss this. <laughs> <laughs> what, what exactly is the deal with, like, did Ray Liotta piss in Jerry Seinfeld's coffee one time? What is this vendetta? I assume that they're friends because he shows up in the movie. Yeah, but it... I think it's just a funny name. <laughs> It, it, like, have on a brand of honey it's so weird for jerry seinfeld to because he's been in cameos in so many things so for his movie to have some random dude as a cameo is so weird <laughs> uh, I, I don't i don't yeah, get I, it at all i don't know how to explain why ray Liotta specifically other than it was a funny name and a dude he knew was he in again i think he was one of them goodfellas yeah one that doesn't get any respect yeah, oh yeah, no, yeah. he was one of the Good Feathers. Zane, that there's a Good Feathers theme song has been playing in my head for a couple of days now, <laughs> and I don't know what to do about it. You should listen to it again. Uh, in any case, he is like you said; it's a series of catastrophes. He's like, yeah, he goes to find out why, like how they're stealing this the honey. old bullshit. I'm gonna go find out about it. I don't know how he gets to a bee farm, but he does no, meet no. Chris Rock on the way. Hold up! Hold up! <laughs> First, he goes into the stock room where the clerk, like who hit him off of Vanessa's shoulder earlier, That's is right. working. He jousts he him. Se- he senses the bee, and then they duel with a thumbtack. I love the joust. It's so, <laughs> so stupid. It's so goddamn stupid. <laughs> um, and this is this is Jerry Seinfeld, like at his most nasal. Like you can tell when it's like, okay, I'm I'm delivering a line versus I'm delivering a line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does get a little bit Billy Crystal about it. But yeah, he, he finds out the supplier and hitches a ride on a truck where he uh, meets a mosquito. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this really fast-talking Chris Rock mosquito who's... Who's going to Alaska to get some moose blood. Yeah. and, and So that's like, what he calls him. Yeah, and, and we briefly see him getting like, uh, carried through... I don't even remember. He gets like wiped off the windshield or something and, and Barry exclaims, Moose blood guy! <laughs> In a dramatic yeah. way, because that's all he knows about him. It's great because um, when when Barry lands on the windshield, he looks around and is like, uh, "Oh my gosh, look at all these dead bugs!" And he's like, "No, nah, man, we're not. We're just hitching we're not a ride. Dead, we're just playing dead." And and the other guy's like, "Yeah, I'm going over here." And he's like, "What about him?" Uh, no, he is dead. <laughs> nah, that one's actually dead. And Jerry's just like, "Oh, all right." <laughs> <laughs> oh, word, word, joke delivered. Yeah, so Mooseblood is a character, apparently. Like, I mean, n- not anymore, he isn't. Yeah, he catches a ride on the Bloodmobile. Like, yeah, he's, he's like, cha-ching, jackpot. Um, Barry makes it to the bee farm. And I, these beekeepers are excessively evil. I, I have to say, overtly nefarious beekeeper is my favorite kind of beekeeper. Uh, I have a quote from Chrissy here. Okay. Um. It's as the beekeepers were talking about this. She said, uh, "It's like the Bechtel test for people to talk about anything other than bees." <laughs> the movie does not have any scenes not about bees. <laughs> that, that is sort of what it feels like. That is a very true statement. It, it's also you could go farther with this and say that they, as a cog in the machine of you know making honey, have started taking on the values of their superiors. Oh. They're the drones. They're the Again, drones. Corporate stuff. Yeah, they're just. They're, hey, man, they're just following orders. 
Uh, yeah, no, this this is the B equivalent of seeing a concentration camp because they, they gas the whole colony to steal their honey. I also like... And again, bees are Jews. I also We're like... in New York. Yep. Moving on. It's pretty rough. Uh, I also do like, though, that we get kind of two different sides to the bees being downtrodden, brainwashed masses kind of stuff because they're either mm-hmm. domesticated with a lifestyle of convenience, um, like in the hive, or by force, wherein they're actually put into forced slave labor camps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which... Yeah, we'll get into the race metaphor later, I guess. I mean, I think it's kind of already there, but... It gets real more explicit Either way, later. Either way, they're always cast as a little guy, and it's a good... It makes him a good, like, white-collar, everyman kind of thing. Yeah. It's good for an office-place uh, analog. Yeah, and Barry brings back some photographic evidence back to the hive, although nobody nobody believes him. Uh, th- there is one line that he says, which is, This is worse than anything the bears have done to us. <laughs> <laughs> which... I want this. I want this history so much. <laughs> you want B law, B corporations, B bear relations. I want. I want to. I want to talk to a B historian, where you know, like, <laughs> like the the great Winnie the Pooh scandal of nineteen oh five. So you know how the, like, the mass exodus from uh, Smokey the Bear. You know how James Cameron made Avatar, but like he spent ten years like crafting the world, and the movie was like okay. I yeah. have to imagine Jerry Seinfeld did the same thing for this, where like he has made all the that history and stuff. So, and so just, like this there's is the like a Silmarillion of bees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somewhere and, like, everything collecting dust. Everything here makes perfect sense with his world, but like his world is deep. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to believe that. <laughs> like get an entire like uh, like D twenty system built up around bee culture. <laughs> All right, you can be a drone, a worker, a stinger. Or a... Spiders have the highest charisma, apparently. Don't worry about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Charisma is directly proportional to the number of legs. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. And, like, uh, given how much I love dogs, that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, his parents tell him, like, you know, you're just one bee. You're never going to be able to do anything. And, and that's so, when you know, Barry I'm... attempts to sue the human race. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to hit him where it hurts. The face? <laughs> No, they're wallets. And so he goes on Channel 5 um, to talk to B. Larry King about how he will sue the human race. And this is this is the one scene where it's just like, hey, there's B. Analogs of everything. So like, this scene doesn't actually make sense. Would, that would have been fine, except that they explain the joke. Like, they, yes. the, the news program is like, there's, like, the, they, they, it's like, uh, news teams at five we, with Buzz Larvey on sports, Bob Bumble doing weather, you know, that kind of thing. And then yeah, yeah. just be Larry King, <laughs> which is so great. Like, first a couple of puns, and then just, and this is the B version of a person you know. That's a great <laughs> Destroy joke. All the facade that this is a cohesive plot. <laughs> yeah, because, like, they play it up like it's trying to follow a formula, and then they're just like, and also Larry King is there. No one can tell us our movie is dumb if we do it first. Yeah. <laughs> and, and... Yeah, they're, they're fessing up to their own crimes to take it away from the villain. Yeah, and Barry says, like, um, you know, there's, lo- there's been lots of instances where 1B makes a difference, like uh, B. Gandhi, or B. Lincoln, or B. Jesus. That's okay. Great line. But th- like the problem that. is that he goes on and on about, hey, you know, they have B. Larry King in the human world that he's just called Larry King. And like that is so... Why would no, you he's got don't ruin the <laughs> and, joke? And Larry King's and Larry King's like, okay, Jerry, like, like this joke's not gonna play well. But he's like, no, 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 let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he got the suspenders, kind of Jewish. He's got this, you know, the scroll at the bottom of the screen. It's so bad. 
<laughs> this actually worked for me. Like I kind of liked that. Oh man, I couldn't <laughs> like, it does not stand fit. it. Does not fit, but I liked it. Because uh, I thought the joke ended with two B pun, like a bunch of different like names that are sort of B pun related, <laughs> and then just B Larry King, and that was the end of the joke. And for them to continue it, kind of ruined it for me. <laughs> But I guess that's just... I, but again, how do they get out of this scene, Ben? Like, they need to get out of here somehow. Yeah, I, well, I mean, like... Gotta end the on scene, a Jerry The joke. scene isn't happening for any reason other than in, like... Like, the only person who can sort the scene out from the rest of the movie is, like, the third appendix to Jerry Seinfeld's, like, ten-book series on B-Law. <laughs> like, he's the only... He's the only... He's the mastermind. He's the only one who knows why this is here. So yeah. I, my puny human brain cannot really fathom his machinations. That's on me. Um, so Vanessa is going to help Barry sue the human race, and Ken is confused and screaming every line. I like, love how quickly the movie turns into a courtroom battle slash historical transcript for the first interspecies communication. They mail out the papers and immediately cut to the courtroom. There's no buildup. <laughs> the humans are like... Wait, can bees actually speak? Why do we have everybody here? Jerry Seinfeld is like, okay, everybody, the next jokes are in a courtroom. So maybe <laughs> just... <laughs> like. <laughs> also, John Goodman is here. I, I was very pleasantly lawyer. surprised to have John Goodman there. And uh, yeah, so so John Goodman, um, the simple country lawyer, uh, you know, does his opening statement. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, the, the the rooster from Futurama. Yes, absolutely. Um, and Barry does like the buzzing joke where, you know, everyone's looking to see, can bees actually talk? And he says, nah, I'm just joking with you. Yeah, he's and like another line that he has is like, hey, do you think these billion dollar national food companies have good lawyers? <laughs> like, I mean, like, there's some pretty good zingers here. <laughs> um, I like the John Goodman speech because he starts off like, now, these bees are just trying to upset the natural order of things. Why, they could be controlling things with lasers from out of space. <laughs> yeah, what? what is this? What, is, what happened? Like, it starts off country lawyer and then it's conspiracy theorist. Yeah, he very quickly Dale Gribbles, and I don't understand why. Like, okay, so, I mean, it's silly that there's a courtroom scene now, but that does not intrinsically mean that the part of the movie that made sense is over. Oh, but then... But it actually is the part of the movie where it made sense is over. <laughs> yes, because... Like, it didn't have to be, but it just happened to be such that... Like, the rest of this movie, it, it just so, is so disconnected from the first half. Well, I would say that the third half... Like, the third... It, this movie split into thirds, and no 30-minute segment really operates in the same world as any other. Okay. Um, so, like, they all have their own internal logic, but it's not connected. Yeah, it's... Um... But, yeah, but it, but it's easy to see, like, they gave up making sense when um, the witnesses are called to the stand. Yeah, the, he calls out the uh, CEO of, of Honey the Farms of the who can't farm, do dick to defend and, himself. Uh, Jerry is mad that they store honey in bears, and he's like, well, why do you do that? And he brings a bear into the courtroom. Yep, yep, it's kangaroo court. I'll mention that the bear can't talk. No, so this this is not an intelligent species. Mm -mm. Nope. And I think this is the only one. Nary a lawyer among their entire brand or entire breed. 
um, he calls up Sting to the stand and talks about how the name Sting is cultural appropriation. He uh, calls up Ray Liotta one more time for no reason. <laughs> and Ray Liotta is still holding his his award. <laughs> it's like, what what happened between them? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a good fella. This is a bad fella. Yeah, like, I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's, yeah. You know, it's it, like they end the courtroom scene again without kind of any transition or 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 end of the scene there's no conclusion there's no resolution and no. vanessa's boyfriend finds barry at his house again as they enact some old sitcom movie routine of destroying a house to try to solve a small problem yeah yeah he he feels like he's getting pushed out and so uh, uh they he, go to the bathroom he is. and uh he's literally getting pushed out by his girlfriend and he's he's gonna murder barry like if this was a person we would be totally on board with him but it's just because he's so not physically imposing that we feel like Barry's the good guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, he came into his house, wrecked his he's you know, eating, relationship. He's eating at his table. Like, he ate he ate In the guy's dinner. <laughs> yeah, literally his dinner. She didn't tell him that he, she was going to have guests over. Like, that's a kind of a rude thing to do in a relationship. Oh, you were late, so instead of asking when you'd be home... I invited your rival. Your romantic rival. I, I invited I invited your nemesis, whom I've been working with all day, <laughs> to come over <laughs> and eat in your chair. I'm just gonna go to the bathroom. Yeah, it's 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 pretty stupid. And like during the fight, he just really overdoes it as well, like making a flamethrower out of a can of hairspray and a lighter, yelling, I have issues. <laughs> I have issues is really good. <laughs> That's a great line. Um, and he hits him into the toilet, but uh, Barry grabs a nail file that was just on the toilet. Yeah, for some and reason. he like surfs and out of it surfs and splashes around. him with toilet water, which is a thing that is happening in B movie, written by <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld, acted in by in Jerry Seinfeld, serious, and John in Goodman. Between serious courtroom scenes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, so the courtroom and the judge is Oprah. The courtroom scene sandwich in B movie, the meat of which <laughs> is like a domestic, like love triangle, wherein where Patrick Warburton is slowly losing his sanity. Patrick Warburton gets splashed with toilet water by a surfing bee. <laughs> yeah, the classic hero's journey. <laughs> yeah, uh, like this. This <laughs> happened to Jason in the in his quest for the golden fleece. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say in the giant peach. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, anyway, let's just jump out of that scene and back to the courtroom for no reason. Yes, uh, the lawyer, John Goodman, calls Barry to the stand and provokes Adam into stinging him by, like, demanding to know his relationship with Vanessa. Like, are you her little love bug? It's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and then once he gets stung, he's like, we can't treat them as equals. They're strapped savages. It's all they know. Yeah, and, and we're treated to a nice cancer treatment scene in the in the middle of B-movie. Why does he get a bed? It's A it's, human bed. <laughs> I, uh, uh, They've got is, a honey IV, and they replaced a stinger with one of those, like, sandwich skewers. It's like this, the, there's, like a, there's, like, a five-minute sequence where, in, like, John Goodman yells at a bee, gets stung, cancer treatment scene, and then, like, this weird, like, anti-nihilistic perspective on, like, the rush of taking another life. <laughs> like, did, did, you, did you notice this? Where, like, they're talking, and, like, Barry, 
with sick fascination, like lowers his voice and he's like, what is it like to sting someone? And then and Adam's like, like, it was all adrenaline and then ecstasy. And then, and then like, Barry's like, oh, okay. B-movie, what are you doing? And then <laughs> and then they're talking about like what will become of insects. And, and there's a perfect example of a line that shows up again like in this movie like where they have a joke and it's fine and then they take it too far so um he says like i hear they put the roaches in hotels that sounds nice or or roaches in motels and then jerry's like yeah they check in but they don't check out it's like we got the joke i actually like that one we're, we're back and forth you on did? this yeah i think this might the, just the, be this might just be subjective like i got the joke the first line i i honestly kind of did but i was happy to hear the the tagline to it as opposed to the B. Larry King joke, which I think we'll all agree should have just been the whole the whole movie. Is Jerry Seinfeld saying like, hey, you know what Larry King does? Here's a B version. <laughs> or if two minds so, on the same. Uh, but Barry gets the idea to show the courtroom the uh, torture that the smoke device was. Right. The thing that they used to like knock out the bees to take their honey on their forced labor camps. So the third courtroom scene in B movie begins. <laughs> Which yes, I'd like the, to let sink in sandwich. for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the club sandwich. Of, yeah, that's where the right. the brightest courtroom scenes, the first uh, piece of meat is getting hit with toilet water, and the second <laughs> piece is cancer ward. <laughs> yeah, what? I can't. It's that, such a fun. Like I like. I really like that. Like summary. The, like Image. the bizarre summary of a movie. <laughs> that that's perfect. And uh, they win the courtroom case, and the honey goes well, to the bees. Well, hold up. <laughs> they win the courtroom case by Barry saying, like, look at this bee smoke machine. They they make the bees forcibly addicted to these smoke machines, working as honey slaves for the white man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty uncomfortable. A weird... <laughs> it's... Like, that's a weird line, right? It's not as weird as John Goodman wearing, like, a full butt cast to like like a baby like walking around in a baby stroller instead of like oh we need him to be sympathetic let's put him in a wheelchair he's in like a baby stroller in in like a weird way like that uh that moment where john goodman kind of turned the tides on the bees like obviously that wouldn't be enough to condemn an entire race of people but if you like think back to jim crow era you couldn't have uh like you couldn't really have the like the um pristine witness mm-hmm. for the yeah for the underclass right because you could always dredge up something about them like her emails you know that kind of thing so it's, yeah, it's yeah. kind of interesting that that's the tactic that they chose mm-hmm. just just playing up this parallel yeah yeah and like you know fear of the unknown i don't know bees that can talk i'd be pretty spooked which, which this parallel makes the ending a little weird but we'll, we'll get there oh it makes it pretty monstrous um <laughs> <laughs> but the yeah the court finds in favor of the bees uh and we see the aftermath where the uh honey is returned to them yeah and we get we get a nice little uh a little intermediary scene where they uh where barry and a human tranquilize winnie the pooh yes which is and they're wearing atfh hats um the bureau of alcohol tobacco firearms and high explosives uh i kind of like the idea of that h standing for honey yeah i mean like it was pro- it's probably written in the script. I don't think they included the joke. I wanted to see it. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it's in Jerry Seinfeld's manifesto. 
Uh, but yeah, since since all the honey is not being stolen from them, uh, the bees get to start vacationing because now they have all that honey back. I, I can't believe that the movie turned into believe in the little man, he's the one who makes the whole hive work, to believe in your benevolent overlords, they only want what's best for you. Because the second you get rid of the overclass, the second you get rid of the humans controlling the honey industry, all it's, of society stops. It's worse than that. It's work sets you free. Like Adam is like, it's oh, exactly I really that. To go to work. And like, I can't believe a, that it, this a purpose happened. in life. <laughs> I can't believe that this is going on right now. And we enter the third act where Barry is super happy. But he took his entire society down with it, and also human society, because Vanessa shows him that without bees pollinating the flowers, all plant life will die. All of it. Which is not how it works. The whole world. <laughs> Again. The whole world. And immediately. Yeah. <laughs> that that, that, that take long. <laughs> Pollen is magic. I, I just can't believe how the movie turned into like this document like this manifesto for the ruling class 28 days later <laughs> it's it's all about the ruling class's exploitation of the working class since they don't know how to better govern their own lives it's baffling it, it would have been a good moment for like be loki to come in and make an appearance and be like is this not your natural state are you not entertained not the same <laughs> but you know i mean do what you want it's b movie <laughs> um <laughs> they talk about having a suicide pact because they I, mess everything I up. I wrote down they casually offer a suicide pact. <laughs> How do you want to do it? I'll sting <laughs> you, you step on me. That just kills you twice. <laughs> it's so... I think that's a great line. <laughs> it's, it's fine, but like they just abandoned the entire premise of the movie at this point. I was so checked out. It did seem like this whole third act didn't need to happen. I, I, after the, like, the toilet courtroom sandwich, like I was just totally done with the movie. <laughs> Oh, I need that, like, quote on a button. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, they had, like, a perfectly good, you know, uh, working, you know, like, finding your place in the working world coming out of college kind of metaphor that they were doing. They abandon mm -hmm. it, and then they go back against, they, like, take the opposite stance. Mm -hmm. And Double I'm just down. I'm just so bored. I couldn't do anything else. <laughs> Uh, Vanessa leaves New York to go to Pasadena for the very last flower festival before all human life is destroyed. Yeah, and Barry gets an idea, which is it's punctuated like, with this dramatic swell, like he's going to say something incredibly brilliant. And it's like, wait a minute. If the bees stop pollinating things and now there's no more flowers, what if we repollinated things because we're bees? <laughs> What? It's so stupid when you say it like that. Why? Was, why I think it's like all the beats of a dramatic, like, like <laughs> turning the tables moment in a movie without any of the content of it. Hey, you know the thing I am? What if I did what that thing usually does? Not even just that. You know that thing we stopped doing that ruined things? What if we started doing it again? And... The, the the bigger issue is, like, there's only flowers left in Pasadena. And only, like, they only need enough of, like, they can't find any flowers except for a float. So they yes. hijack a float to get flowers also, onto an airplane. Also, it's all one species of flower. And even though it's, like, the Parade of Roses ceremony, they aren't even roses. Um, like, there's, like, this movie scares so little in the third act. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of <laughs> tired of it as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they they hijack a float to put flowers on an airplane. Why do why do they need an airplane precisely? To get it to New York. Why do they need to get it to New York? All the bees live in New York, Ben. 
What is that? All of them. But why did it get... Well, and, like, the pilots became unconscious, so the plane's now going down, and also there's a storm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the because the plane is going to be delayed, Vanessa points out, like, these flowers aren't going to last that long, and Barry's like, okay, I'll go talk to the pilots. And they're the only remaining flowers in existence, I'll point out. And the, the pilot and co-pilot wackily knock each other out because they are also terrified of bees as though they didn't just see a court case where the <laughs> bees are sentient and can be reasoned with. It's like, oh I, my God, he got in the cockpit. I love that the first instance of non-human sentient, sentient life is totally papered over by the fact that flowers are dying. <laughs> Yeah, like later they're like, but Barry's on that plane, and like I'm familiar with his work. His work, <laughs> <laughs> but like um, the movie, like Barry has an epiphany. Like, okay, we can't get the plane to come down because the engines are. But like, what was the point? Uh, because the plane was struck by lightning. Uh, the autopilot disengages, and Vanessa has to fly the plane. She doesn't know how. But Barry knows how to fly because he is a bee. He knows it by instinct. And, and, and this so kind of brings teamwork. back the quote from the beginning of the movie. That's like that bees don't know how to fly, but they do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Which is okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So the, the other bees uh, kind of all rally around and form a gigantic flower to guide Barry. Like that shouldn't work. Um well, the reason that he knows how to do it, the reason that he knows that that is there is because they're communicating through dance, which is a nice, that's that's yeah, a nice yeah, yeah. touch. They they force him to think B. It, I don't think they explain that very well, but yeah, it does work. Um, there's this awkward, like, there's these weird, funny scene, like, in the plane as this, like, as it cuts back from them doing that, where it's just Barry and Vanessa slapping each other and telling them each to snap out of it again and again. Yeah, I, I don't really... I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> so... Oh, I'm sorry. Did you not like the movie Airplane either, where they do that? I, I just don't understand why anything is happening. Slapping is classic humor. It's... it's, it's, nine, it's okay also so when the when they land the plane also um vanessa's like barry's like uh, uh you know head toward the flower and vanessa's like what that one it's like no that's a dude's hawaiian shirt yeah and then like what is that doing on the tarmac this is it's just very awkward like why is he there planes do not work that way no what nobody like somebody let him through he's walking around while planes are trying to <laughs> land you're missing the point i'm just saying also, the bees are, like, helping land the plane. So, yeah, Barry has an epiphany about, like, lots of little guys working together make a big difference, which is, yep. you know, that's one of the themes that the movie had way back when it had a plot and story and, like, mattered. Ben, ben the two themes of this movie are one person can make a difference and also lots of people working together can make a difference. Here's the problem with that epiphany is that the problem <laughs> is in the story wasn't caused by people not thinking individual workers mattered. Like the problem in the story, the problem in the plot was caused by a power vacuum left from an industry after a slavery camp was liberated. Yeah. So what exactly is the epiphany here? The slavery was good. <laughs> well, no, Ben. I just I need a little me. bit more like massaging of this idea. 
they 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 cover this in the epilogue, um, which we get after the flowers are released. Um, you know, the patient, the, the the passengers, you know, leave the plane. Uh, Barry gains the adoration of his bee brethren. They go out and pollinate. flowers are magically better um and he even gets to help out because the jocks give him you know a, a flight jacket and a helmet yeah he finally earned his wings i assume that this is part of the training for every pollen jock like this just happens every week yeah yeah, yeah. with the here comes the sun cover montage that's right uh i will say that i looked up somebody did the math on how many bees it would take to carry a boeing 747 Ooh. And it is three point too many. It's three point six one billion. And yes, it is too many. You, given the surface area of a bee, you could not cover the bottom of that plane and have enough. Which is actually Whoa. a really good like Newtonian physics problem to have bees stacked on top of each other. I would give that in <laughs> in, in like an undergrad level class. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they they rejuvenate all life on Earth. I don't know why I expected anything different. Repollinates the, the, the whole world. But why do you the, only the need moral... one float's worth of flowers to repollinate the world? Oh, because when you touch the pollen to the other flowers, they immediately bloom, and you can use theirs. Like, and, eh. So the way that the moral works out with their, you know, capitalist society or whatever is, slavery was wrong, but also we needed them to work. So what about they own their labor, they work out a deal, and they sell their honey, so and everyone's better yeah. off. So I think that the message here is, like, I, I think this actually, weirdly enough, given the amount we of bullshit... We need stronger unions in, is really where this is. I think that is. Like, uh, I think that the, clo- the message is closer to a middle ground. They bullshitted so much of the movie away that I forgot that they had a really good message in one part of it and a decent message in the other part. And if you staple those two halves <laughs> together, you're like... Top-down management is necessary, but it ultimately needs to be with the consent of the underclass. Yeah, yeah, and when you have this uh, uh, sudden revolution in the way that things work, you know, you might the pendulum might swing swing too far the other way, and then yeah. You know, so it's you actually it's, it it's actually the movie is an allegory for the necessity of a republic, which is like however pretty strange. It is almost certain that that was not intentional. I I can't imagine that it would be, but welcome <laughs> to the Carton Cast. Um, yeah. And, and so it ends we, with Barry being a, nice... a fucking lawyer now. Helping yeah, other so get... sentient animals throw off their oppressors, but only if they promise to keep working themselves to the bone to keep the world going. Well, they, you know, better hours, um, you know, health care plan, they sell, they own Daycare. their work. It really is unions. It, it uh, I, I mean, yeah. like, it, bizarrely, I can't, I can't believe that this movie ended up at unions. <laughs> like, it just does, it's, it's so weird. Like, the first half hour of the movie is all about trying to find your place in a corporation, and the movie ends up on unions. How did it get there? And why did it get there? I don't, I don't know, man. 
<laughs> it wasn't a dystopia or utopia after all. It was just some weird bureaucracy. Like in a, in a weird way, you can like almost view it as like kind of a muddying aspect of trying to find your place in work society. How it's like not always cut and clean, and you don't always find like one place that makes perfect sense, and you kind of have to like work with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then also like there was that suicide pact and the three courtroom scenes and like everything the, the the idea that bears are the enemy and like it just there's so much weird nonsense in it and again in the seinfeld <laughs> way the nonsense is the funny parts but the it doesn't work with any sort of underlying meaning that i thought was going to happen based on the beginning like corporation metaphor so that that you know disconnect between what worked really well in Seinfeld and what doesn't work here do you think it has more to do with the fact that this is an hour and a half long movie that needed three acts and therefore it's it not a Seinfeld more with the fact that it was or do you think it has to do more with the fact that like it's animated um, or just the subject matter that's a good question I wonder if you could do an animated Seinfeld I think I think you can and I honestly think it's just like that type of thing can't last that long they had uh, it of a sort in ugly americans where like the main character was just kind of dealing with the stuff that the world threw at him and the rules weren't necessarily consistent but since it was serialized that didn't matter as much here right there's no like like there's no clear delineation between like okay and in this episode we're mixing it up a little yeah black on yellow let's mix it up <laughs> full circle <laughs> Also, they kept on repeating the line like, um, you know, bees get behind a fellow, black and yellow. I'm like, is that a tagline? When did that come up? Like, they say it a whole bunch in the third act. Yeah, they really do. There's, there's like this weird, like, I mean, this is one of those movies where, like, because they're putting so much random garbage in, if you wanted to try to follow down any of these rabbit holes, you probably would get there. It just wouldn't be a very deep rabbit hole. So like the mm-hmm. whole black and yellow get behind a fellow kind of felt like a uh, like an army sort of uh, like chant, like you know a two by four like like hut two hut two get black and yellow behind a fellow you know that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't go anywhere. But but they don't they don't set it up. I mean it's it's also just like whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean like I think the best um, way to uh, approach this movie is like is like pretty you like try not to care too much about any part of it. It absolutely like, and it's hard because this movie will go out of its way to like try to get you to stress, care. It stresses you out over how little like consistency it has. Well, it, it's not that. It's it's more that like they're setting up things that could develop into larger themes and, and plots. Like the whole corporation aspect demands a finish, and it doesn't get one. And so when it like <laughs> it jut, juts out of that and goes into random courtroom shenanigans, it just like. It just, you sort of feel like you get whiplash. Like, it's like, I yeah. was heading in this direction, and then, oh, okay, random hijinks ensue. I, okay, I wasn't expecting that. Maybe give me a little bit time to get used to this. Yeah, gro- growth and resolution were never the strong points of the Seinfeld brand. Yeah, so uh, let, let's talk about, I guess, overall judgment. Um, you know, honestly, I didn't hate it. I, it was a decently fun movie, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, there... It- the the little bits are what win me over. Nothing big, but like brilliantly no. casted with Jerry Seinfeld. I think that that was a good cast, even though he's a little bit too old for it. It could have had a good message if they didn't get into a fight. If they didn't all get into a fight halfway through the movie, but 
you know, I th- I think they really prioritize the humor over everything else. And like, if you can, if you can enjoy every joke in here, because they do hit a wide like array of humor, that works. I don't think I, you I can. honestly think like if they had done a bit more cohesive world building and like flesh things out a little bit, the the jokes would have, I don't know, been maybe more a little little more character driven, a little more depth there. It felt very surface level. Yeah, I I don't know. I almost feel like maybe they should have gone full parody. And oh, I don't know about that because then you get into like the epic movie or like. But you know, but you given know those that movie it's, parody things, well, given that it's the Seinfeld pedigree, I think you could actually manage that. Uh, I I honestly I'm not sure if I could see this movie in any other way and have it still be the same movie. It's weird. Whenever I see a movie that like I want to have been done another way, I can usually name the way in which it would have been done. I don't. I don't see a more perfect version of this, which doesn't imply that this is perfect. <laughs> no, like you can. This script could have gone through a couple more revisions. You could have like sat Seinfeld down and like, listen, this joke that you're ending the scene with mm-hmm. isn't actually funny. Can we do something else? Do you think that you would have preferred it to be more serious or more silly? I liked all the silliness. I really like the way that Barry uses his antenna as a headset for phone calls. <laughs> yeah like it's hard to imagine it being sillier and like like there's no grounding for that like it, it'd be very easy to go overboard maybe i i don't think that that would yeah maybe maybe that's true maybe it would just be reduced to a series of gags mm-hmm. I, I guess you kind of do need some sort of framework in order to make these jokes in a way that makes sense uh it just it, it never felt like it was doing a good job of it. Like the framework didn't feel right. The range of silly and serious in this movie was as wide as it needed to be to fit in all those jokes. If you had pruned it a bit, then you could have narrowed it down. But I maybe I think, I think this movie is what it had to be. I guess so. I just I wish I had I wish there was more to say about it. Because after I got done with it, I was just like that was just so boring. Like, the, I mean, the jokes were fine. I sometimes laughed, but overall it was just, I got bored. It's just, it's good on its own surface level. And then when you delve deeper, it has to be enjoyed in the sense of a B movie, which is this thing is ridiculous. Yeah. And there were a couple of times when I got that from it, but just overall, I, I was just so tired. <laughs> like watch this with people, make it a drinking game. It, it can be fun. It's part of that community based thing. I guess so. And in that way it is living up to its reputation as a B movie and the whole meme status of it makes perfect sense because it's so yeah. it's so weird. Yeah. Like cause it's a real it, B it doesn't movie. fit the Pixar mold. Like the Pixar mold of an animated thing. Let's Well it's DreamWorks, not right. Pixar. No, I so know, they, but like it's in the manner of a lot of They take weirder Pixar. risks. <laughs> it, it's in the manner of a lot of Pixar films though, right? Like this is yeah, I mean, there's sort of a Monsters Inc. sort of thing here. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's a it's a facet of society that we think about sometimes, but we never kind of give it the needle and thread yeah, to patch it up nicely. Someone who's on the lower end, you know, f- pulls at the thread of society until they end up a little higher. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I I enjoyed it for what it was. I don't think it can be anything else. Like, there's no way a sequel of this could possibly work. I think overall, like, I don't even know what metric I'm gar- I'm grading it on anymore, but I think I have to give it a fail. <laughs> like, <laughs> Ben, you know what grade it, get, it uh, gets on average online? F plus. Click. Huh? 
Yeah, I don't know. I liked it. I liked it well enough. I, I you know, watched it a couple weeks ago and then watched it again more recently because I was like, one, I need to refresh myself a little bit, but also, you know, that wasn't too bad, and it's fun to watch new people enjoy it as well. Yeah, I, I mean... Because they'll draw attention to the weird stuff that you kind of let slide the first time. You know, the other part of it is that it started off a lot stronger than it ended up. Like, it was more cohesive. I, th- I think the courtroom scenes, are, that whole sandwich is really the The courtroom scenes are fine on their own. <laughs> They're just ridiculous. I wonder if this could have benefited from having a given villain. Oh, like one specific person instead of the human race? Yeah, or like fuzz, the Fuzzy Von... concept bon, of laziness. Or like Fuzzy Von Berenstein. Mm-hmm. Like, what if he's actually the the mogul behind uh, Ray Liotta brand Honey Industries? Yeah, that is weird because it's not really a central villain so much as just like... Yeah, we tried to mess with the way things were. It backfired, but we pulled it out in the end. It, it's almost like a episode of like Jimmy Neutron, <laughs> where like he screws something up and then he ha- and then he recognizes that he shouldn't have played God at the end. But it worked out. He did play God. Everybody turned out better off in the end. Yeah, they it's love just, that. They love that boy, Jimmy. Civilization. <laughs> yeah, it's good that he did that. <laughs> uh, I think that's it. I think that's everything. Yeah, that, that's all I can say about B movie at, at any point forever. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll never bring it up again. No, can't. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll start launching into B-Law. Uh, yeah, okay. So what do we have next, Zane? Next up, we are going to be watching the original Sonic the Hedgehog uh, TV show. I guess I have to delve back into my Sonic lore, as I understand. It's one of those things that's, like, again, way more complicated than it needs to be for your surface-level enjoyment. Yeah, it, it's it's a really bizarre It's just franchise it's just been passed around so many times that there's no way that it can like fit everything i feel like go to deviant art first like i think that's where i think i'll steer (laughs) it's it's a really weird franchise in that it peaked so early and hasn't gone away and that that has just become this ridiculous caricature of itself from 20 years ago yeah but we'll, we'll see it's just we'll see what it looks like yeah, in, just in a constant form. undercurrent that's been there. I believe we'll have a guest for that, which I'm looking forward to. Yes. Um, and then after that, I believe we're having a belated Halloween episode. We are. I We are going to have Dan Caves on, as always. Um, I can't Woo-hoo! wait to see him again. And we will be talking about Helsing, the anime about them vampires or something. Yes. Um, is it based on like the classic Dracula, like that Helsing? Yep. Or? Kind of. Okay. You, you'll watch some of it. You'll, I think you'll be pretty into it. Is it a long series or is it uh, fairly digestible? It's pretty digestible. I don't think there's, I think there's like 12 episodes or something. I, I can't, oh, honestly doable. can't remember. I'm going to have to watch it all again, but I, I enjoyed what I watched. Awesome. It feels very much like Cowboy Bebop in some ways. In the good ways? Yeah, it has a jazzy intro. You care about the characters. It's kind of got like this laid back but pushing forward sort of feel to it. Those are the good ways. I think you'll enjoy it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, audience, if you think you'll enjoy it or no longer know what good or bad is because you watched B-Movie, <laughs> uh, you should check <laughs> You should check those out. Uh, listen to our other episodes or our other podcast, Empowered, at the Fancy Bat Network. Yeah, go to either cartoncast.com or fancybat.com and leave a comment, a rating, a review. Go ahead and suggest a show. Um, you can go to our Facebook page and tell us what you think about B-Movie or Helsing or the Sonic TV show. Um, and more than anything else, just tell your friends about the show. Uh, also, you mm-hmm. can go ahead and leave a rating or review on iTunes. I saw that ever since I 
uh, pleaded to the audience that a couple people have, and I am thrilled that you guys have done that because it helps out a lot and because we want to know what you think. So go ahead and... Oh, no, audience. <laughs> You've trained Ben. Now he's going to keep doing that. Yep. Uh, and if I don't, I'll have to drop out and become a bee scholar. So, you know, it's Ooh, win-win uh, on your uh, end. Uh, bee law or bee history? Uh, one doesn't study just one topic of bee society, Zane. <laughs> Okay, so you're, but you're not going to become like a pollen jock, right? I mean, you know, you were big in high school, but now we got to... <laughs> yeah, I, I peaked a little bit early. <laughs> pollen jock. The Krellman. You know, at the end of that movie, like, they're, they have their law firm, but it's like in the flower shop, so it's florist slash legal advice That's in one shop. Good. That's so weird. I, I like it. I love any, like, like a gestalt mundane shop in sit in the city you're like yeah, yeah, yeah. it has to be two things that don't make sense together like in uh the beginning of um american beauty when the homophobe next door moves in and he meets the neighbors and the neighbors are like we're partners and he's like what does that mean what's your business and he's like i'm a i'm a he, he's a he's an accountant and i'm an anesthesiologist and obviously it's just because they are lovers but I yeah. do like to imagine the kind of business that an accountant <laughs> slash anesthesiologist practice would have. <laughs> yeah. And that is, you know, law plus pollen does seem like it a thing that that society, like that B-movie society would need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you got to the flower first, huh? Okay, well. Uh, I mean, uh, Jerry Seinfeld in, you know, his in his grand works in the larger, you know, Honey Tower series. God, I hope he's been working on that just behind the scenes this whole time. It would be great if he turned into like this weird like Stephen King-esque figure. Everyone else made fun of the movie, and he just silently believed in it for a while. <laughs> they could release ten books at once that just like own everyone. <laughs> I would be thrilled if that was the case. Uh, uh, all right. Well, um, goodbye. <laughs> be positive. Sugar. Oh, my God.